Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Robin. So Robin is one of the Inspired Women community members and I asked in there, would anybody be willing to come on and talk about what it, what it's like to be child-free by choice? And Robin was like, I would. I'm like, okay, great. Because I feel like we talk, we talk to a lot of moms because I mean, I just attract a lot of moms to the podcast. But this is also another area that women um, are struggling with too is, you know, there's a lot of people that you know, stick their nose where it doesn't belong. I always say stay out of my uterus. So Robin Fountain is a 54-year-old multipotentialite. What does that mean, by the way? That's a fun word. Well, basically, it's somebody who just has a lot of interests and at another point in time may have been called a flake or a renaissance person or a multi-passionate um, and it's, it's used to be an educational or psychological term for somebody who had the potential to excel in many areas. So Robin has an infinite curiosity about people, places, and a wide variety of subjects, which truly isn't aligned with what you just said. This has created a rich and zigzagged professional and personal life. One's choice from which she has never wavered in her decision to remain child-free. As synthesis coach and strategist, she works with other multi-passionates, bringing the gift of indecision. So I'm glad we clarified so everybody knows what multi-passionate is. So if you're multi-passionate, get a hold of Robin. Uh, you know, that's just a shameless plug. Into focus through aggregating multiple interests and ideas into actionable concepts. So if you're multi- multi-passionate, definitely get a hold of Robin. We're going to link all of her stuff up in the show notes. So Robin, let's let's talk about this. Did you know from like, a young age that you'd never wanted to have children? I knew from a pretty young age, probably. It wasn't something that really occurred to me very young, but at least by the age of 15, 16, 17, I was pretty sure. But I think the ideas um, that led to that were filtering in earlier. Um, And so one of those things was that kids make it impossible for mothers to reach their goals while fathers get to reach their goals. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to my life, Robin. <laughs> so that was a really early feeling for me, and I don't feel like it was said, but my parents met in drama school, and when I was first born, I did travel with them on the road, bus and truck tour of a show going cross-country, sleeping in um, hotel des- uh, dresser drawers, and my babysitters were the dressing room women uh, when I was young. But after that, uh, when my mother got pregnant with my sister, my dad was able to continue to travel and my mother stayed home, you know, for two or three months at a time with us. And I began to recognize that she was not realizing her dreams uh, by choosing to have children. And my dad was out seeing the world. Yeah. I mean, I do want to clarify my husband does support my dreams, but you're right because even though we've come a long way, you know, now in 2018, there's still that pressure for the mom to be the one to take on all the roles, like when it comes to the children. And the dad is like the person that tends to be the one that people look at to earn money, which also is, um, 
that's it's really sad for stay-at-home dads because they get looked down upon because their wives are the ones earning the money, right? Because that's just what it's been for years and years and years and years you know, over and over and over again, it has been the setup that the dad earns the money, the mom takes care of the kids. And mm -hmm. even today I had to, I had to tell Robin, Robin, I'm going to be late for our podcast interview because my teenage daughter has to be dropped off at this place. But you know what my husband is doing? He's at work right now. And I'm the one dropping off the kid at the thing and being late for a podcast interview. So despite as much as he supports me, it really is like, it is that, I mean, that is how our setup is, is he's the one that has the full-time job. And yeah, I have a business and I'm going to school and stuff like that. But if the kids get sick, I'm the one missing school or, you know, missing out on mm -hmm. something with business because I have to take care of my kids. So was there anything else besides that, that helped you make this decision? Like, was there anything else that stood out? Yeah, there's actually a few things. So also I felt like um, kids make a marriage grow old. So they get in the way of the marriage part of it um, that if I were to have daughters there would be competition for my husband's attention or my partner's attention um, thinking traditionally heterosexual relationship yeah um, at the time and then it got maybe a little bit more complicated I kind of began being more aware of um, the whole process of being pregnant and giving birth and giving birth flat on your back at the time, it was still the pretty common way because it was convenient for yeah. the doctor. And I think this budding feminist or budding oppositional person said, no, that's not okay. That's not how women were meant to give birth. And now we have these male doctors in this really intimate area of your life and yeah. we're being convenient for them. Legs strapped down, you know, put to sleep, not experiencing it, or experiencing great physical pain because that's not how we we're physically built. Uh, so it was like a little rage against the machine. I'm not doing that. No to the painful childbirth. Thank you. Or the uh, healing from painful childbirth, whether natural or C-section, mm -hmm. all of it's painful. I feel you. <laughs> and then I had this feeling like for me, the idea of growing a being in me, it was too much like the movie Alien. <laughs> felt very parasitic. So I, I could say a lot of this came from a place of fear. A yeah. lot of fears. Um, I felt like no matter how you parent, it's never going to be right. You That's either overparent. And so what we're not talking about parenting, exactly. Um, <clears throat> and then in my 20s, I finally accepted the fact that I had basically inherited depression uh, through my family line. And I did not want to put a child through that or risk putting a child through that. I did not want to see my child suffer the way I had suffered. Um, so that was a pretty big deal for me. And I also didn't want to take the risk kind of being a wimp of having a child with extremely special needs. Yeah. I had no control over um, because I did. I had a friend who, you know, had a healthy pregnancy, and then during the delivery, things happened, and the daughter had a very extreme form of cerebral palsy. Mm. So I just didn't want it. I wasn't willing to take that kind of risk. Um, and then, in terms of kind of being a multi-potentialite entering into that, I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I. I, when I was seven or eight, like six, I wanted to be everything. 
<laughs> you grow up. Well, I want to be a teacher, but in the summer, I'm going to be an airline uh, stewardess. And then on the side, I'm going to be a lawyer. And then I'm going to be a nurse on the weekends. I, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and I just could never imagine what my life was going to look like. And I could barely get myself through. Um, and then the thought of having to take care of another being, being responsible for that, you know, human life. And this isn't to say I don't like children. I don't care about them. I value them highly. Um, I just think the environment needs to be right. I probably would have been very self-critical about myself as a mother. Um, but also one of those moms that after the kid is like, I love my kid, but I feel a little bit resentful that I didn't think about this more carefully. Did you read my post in the community today? Oh, uh, no. Because I literally said that. I, I said, I, a lot. I said truth bomb or, or something. I'm just being real here. Does any other mom resent their child? Because I'm totally resenting all my children right now. Like they don't mm -hmm. respect, like, it's like they give zero fucks about like my life or, you know, what I have going on. You know, my, I'd pick up my son from school earlier cause he shit his pants. He's six. He should not be shitting his pants. But anyways, mm. and he's crying about leaving school. And I'm like, dude, you do realize now I can't take a shower. Now I can't do my workout. Now I can't do send out this email I was supposed to send out because I had to come to school and pick you up. So mm. if anybody should be crying, it shouldn't be me. So I totally get that. Yes. Feeling resentful like to children. Been, I, I felt like I would have been the mom that always said, go play, go be quiet. I didn't like a lot of noise or a lot of like mm -hmm. high, super high energy around me. Um, so like I wouldn't, I would always have go, go amuse yourself, go amuse yourself kind of thing. And then getting back to the relationship aspect, I'm like, yeah, childbirth, like it stretches your vagina out. It's never going to be the same. I'm going to wet my pants for the rest of my life and never have an orgasm again. <laughs> Not true. You will have an orgasm again. No, but I was way <laughs> more about wanting to be in the partnership than wanting to be in the family ship. Yeah, and that, that makes total sense. To me, that was a really important distinction to make. No, definitely. And I'm loving, I love your honesty and transparency here because I feel like, me included, none of us think this through enough to say like, Am I willing to, and do I want to, not even willing, like, do I really want to have to like put my life on hold? Like not on hold completely. Yes, moms mm -hmm. can do things, but put my life on hold and put like these little tiny terrorists in front of my own needs. <laughs> and then there, there did come a point actually that I did become pregnant with um, my first husband and it was on the cusp of me telling him that we needed our relation. I needed our relationship to change or end. We've been together for about five years. Um, I had barely been medicated for depression. I was constantly avoiding sex. Um, whatever I, I just had, no whether it was medication, the depression, or just the nature of the relationship, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't. That it wasn't what I needed. It wasn't that great. Um, and right about the time that um, I was writing him this letter, like right after that, I found out I was pregnant. And I was very resentful because we had gone away for the weekend, a um, little romantic weekend close by. And at the time, I wasn't on any kind of uh, chemical birth control. So 
I, I packed one condom. I'm like, okay, we can have sex one time. And then, of course, I acquiesced to the second time, and I'm pretty, and that was without the condom. I'm like, so then I get pregnant. Um, I already knew we were going to be, we were going to be getting separated or divorced very shortly because I wasn't willing or able to do anything else with that, with the relationship. Um, and given my feelings over the years about having children, I certainly didn't want to start out this next part of my life as a single mom because it wasn't a passion of mine. Um, so I did terminate that pregnancy. And to be honest, you know, I feel weird because I really didn't have the guilt that I hear a lot of women feel uh, afterwards. And it's not to say like, you know, occasionally every year around September when the child would have been born, I'd be like, oh, I would have this child that would be this old by now. Like how, how did that happen? <laughs> like now I would have a child who would be 25 this year <laughs> or 24 this year, like that's crazy. We actually just did, I actually just had an episode that aired that we talked about abortion. Um, Carol mm -hmm. uh, came on and she talked and shared hers too. And, and, and in there, she, she didn't really say that she had a lot of guilt either. Like she said, she could, she could tell you how much, how old the kid was going to be, but she's like, if I went back, I'd make the same decision. Um, and I feel like that really is a woman's decision to make no matter how somebody feels on like whether they think it's right or wrong that is really not for us to say to a woman like you can't do this like this is not for, i mean it's not your body to choose like i mean this is it's my body like if i want to you know do whatever with my body i should be able to do it uh, and i feel like you know men just like to stick their nose in places that it doesn't belong including right. vaginas like no it doesn't belong there right now like this my uterus stay out of it <laughs> so that that relationship ended did you tell him about the termination of the pregnancy yes yeah we were still together at the oh, time okay. um and we because we actually ended up living together for close to the rest of the year so this began in january and he and i did not move out from each other until december of that same year around may or june it became really apparent to him that there was no uh there was not going to be um, any getting back together or any more therapy like that. But he actually, he was supposed to go with me, but he was working nights at the time. So I had to like do this two, it was like a two part appointment. He came with me to the second part and, and he was fine. And he agreed because he never wanted children either. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that part of it was, that part of it was fine. And then we moved into separate bedrooms and it took us a pretty long time to like financial. We were still kind of young to get things together and find our places um, in the world. Um, and, you know, for me, abortion was way easier than um, putting a child up for adoption. Like that's probably yeah. something that would have haunted me because open adoptions weren't really a thing that much at the time. Mm -hmm. So what would have haunted me is the mystery of whatever happened to I hope they're okay I hope they got with a good family yeah that makes total sense so have you been any in relationships with anybody that wanted to have kids and you had to say no I don't want to have kids or maybe no, that person or oh none at all no um and I guess you know I pick kind of carefully because but yeah. the, my, my next husband who I was with for 17 years um, he also wasn't really interested in having kids. He was the oldest of seven. Oh. Um, there was already plenty of grandchildren, including a grandson, to carry on the family name. Um, he said he was too selfish 
when he wasn't working his day job, he liked to play music and he liked to, you know, just fiddle around and be free and ride his motorcycle. So before we, we got married, he actually got a vasectomy because he had insurance at the time and it was going to cost about 300. I did not have insurance and it was going to cost me about 1500 to have my tubes tied. Right. Isn't that unfair that it costs way less for guys to get certain things done and not for us. I mean, condoms are less than birth control. Like Mm -hmm. vasectomies are less than having your tubes tied. Like it's just not fair. (laughs) I I did the implant at the time, one of the first implants, the Norplant, but I had, I felt like I was getting side effects. And so we had to, like what was and even if we hadn't gotten married he wouldn't have regretted having the vasectomy and even if we broke up he wouldn't have regretted it and he used to joke around he'd tell people yep he goes I got the surgery and if she changes her mind we're gonna have to take applications (laughs) that's funny that's awesome I'm glad that you haven't met anybody because I know I know that I've, I, I have lots of friends who don't want to have children or, you know, they can't have children or they don't want them right now. And, uh, I've heard stories, you know, of them being like, I, or I have, uh, I have a friend who is like, when I have children, I want one, just one, not two, not three, just one. That's it. I don't want, I don't want any more than one birth. And I was like, well, let's hope you don't get multiples, knock on wood. But anyways, um, and she, you know, I've heard my friends say, like, I've had trouble finding, uh, you know, a husband who also doesn't want to have kids or just wants to have one kid or something like this. Um, even when I met my husband, I already had two children and he was like, I'd really like some children of my own. And mind you, neither one of my previous pregnancies were planned, neither Mm -hmm. one of them. And I was like, Oh, well you're, I already have two. Why not? And then we end up with two and I'm just like, nothing, nothing goes as planned when it comes to children (laughs) at all. I swear to God. Um, so you have this, uh, where you haven't met anybody that you had any struggles. Have you dealt with any of the shame or stigma that comes around with this? Like people sticking their nose where it doesn't belong, stay out of my uterus sort of thing. I've, you know, I probably, I've been pretty lucky. First of all, I come from, a, I guess, a fairly liberal family. Um, my grandmother was an early feminist in her way. Um, and my mom and my aunt and my cousins. So and, you know, there has been a lot of family, greater family energy about staying out of my business and not people not staying out of each other's business has caused n- people not to talk to each other for 30 years. So my mother never wanted that to happen. Um, I do remember being about 17 or 18. I was in an airport. I don't remember where I was going, um, but you know, we were in line and this came up and somebody, oh, you'll change. I had a lot of people tell me you'll change your mind, men and women. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I won't. Oh, yeah, you're, you're young. You have plenty of time. You'll change your mind. Like, no, I'm pretty sure I won't. So please don't tell me how I think. Um, but I've had a couple of people say that's selfish, especially men, older men that I meet. They'll be like, do you have any children? And I'm like, no. And they're like, Really? Well, you know, I never wanted any. Why? Like it's the like it's the most abnormal thing in the world to not want children. I'm not sure if it was different. These two particular men were men of color, and I don't know if that is, and from very large families. So I don't know if that entered into it. But I think the people I surrounded myself with and interacted with were more along the lines of me, just by how I chose my community. I do remember being younger. Uh, my first husband and I were living in California, and we were friends with people. 
who were about the same age as we were, and they weren't married yet, but she really, she was really interested to get engaged and get married and start having kids. And she's like Miss Martha Stewart with the cooking and this. And I just, I felt like I had nothing in common with her, except she's a very nice person. They were the people around and that's who, but I couldn't, like, I did not get it. As soon as she got engaged, they started trying to get pregnant. Um, and I just, I didn't get it. And I just felt like I didn't fit in. But when I came up to Portland, I just met people a little bit closer to my age and who were friends with other women who weren't in a hurry to get married or weren't going to have children or were already beyond that. So but not family at all. Do you have any friends now that, ha I mean, have you had any friends over the years that did have kids that you were able to find that common ground with? Um, actually, my oldest friend, so we've known each other 45 years now, she never had children, although she had wanted to when we were young, and then she ended up marrying somebody who already had a couple of kids of varying ages. Um, most of my friends I have now are older than I am. And either their kids are grown or they didn't have kids. Um, I just tended to, I guess, lean towards people that were in between that stage or not in that stage. I do have a very close friend um, in Georgia. And we met actually through a Facebook group. You'd never think we would have anything in common, but we're very close. She has two kids. They're, they're about grown, uh, 21 and 17. Um, at that age, I feel like I have more input. Well, it's not about the kids. They're self-sufficient at that point. Right. And I married, my first husband was the youngest of eight. My second husband was the oldest of seven. And there were multiple grandchildren, nieces, nephews, at any given time of all age ranges that we could have spent time with and interacted with. And we never chose to. So that was pretty telling to me. And these were all good kids. It's not like, oh, my God, your sister's kids are feral. <laughs> They're nightmares. They weren't, these were really good kids with good parents. And I never took the extra time. Even though I always wanted to be the cool aunt, I just never took the extra time to go and do something with them. So that was, you know, pretty telling to me that I made a good <laughs> choice. Absolutely. And I, I do want to reiterate that a lot of my friends, like, that have chosen not to have children, um, they love my kids. They'll spend all time, you know, with them and, and hang out with them. But they always say, I can give them back to you. Like, I, I don't have to keep them. Like, you can have them back. And I was like, yeah, that's the unfortunate part of this whole situation. But I, I, I was just wondering, I asked you if you had friends that have children because I, I think I'm, I'm like the, the, the ugly duckling or the weird, weird person because I have four children, which is a lot for a lot, a lot of people think mm -hmm. that's a lot of children. Um, but majority, I would say like, so 75% of my, kid, my my friends don't have kids. Um, and I have maybe like 25% that do have children, but they're like, they're like me. They're like not the, the mom moms, like not the mm -hmm. Pinterest moms that are like doing all these things. I always want to do all these play dates and all these things. They're like the ones like, hey, you want to come over and have wine that we can bitch about yeah. motherhood and life. And I'm like, yes, yes, girl, you are my, you are my person. You are my humans, you know? Um, but I think that also for me, it's because, like I said, I never really wanted to have children growing up. And my first daughter was 
a surprise. My second mm-hmm. daughter was a surprise. Um, one of the two twins was a surprise because there was only supposed to be one of them. So three, <laughs> three of my four kids were surprised. And yes, I know how babies are made and all that. Because mm-hmm. I always get that question when I say this. And I'm like, I know how babies are made, but there's more to the story. Uh, but yeah. Well, it, I know the one from your first story, the first one. Yeah, the first one, I was 16 and pregnant. Mm-hmm. Not before it was cool, too. Before they had a TV show. <laughs> I think it was something like, it was like pretty much the first time you had sex, you got pregnant. Yeah, yeah pretty, uh, pretty close. Pretty like, much. it wasn't the first, but it was, you yeah. know, it was definitely not like I had been around the block several times. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, you know, one of those things where I never really... I mean, I've come to, to the point where I, I love my kids. I'm definitely a mom. I mean, I want to take care of them. I want to grow them. I'm going to make them into the best adults that I can to possibly do that. But I think why I get along so well with people who don't have children is because I don't want to sit down and have that conversation where we talk nonstop about our kids. Yes, I'll talk about your, people's kids, like with my friends who have kids and ask them how their kids are doing, but I don't want to like nonstop. Like we have lives outside of that. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, my friends that don't have kids – um, even my friends that do have kids, we do. We talk about business. We talk about, you know, uh, what's the best wine that just came out? What what show are we watching? Like that, we have lives beyond children. Um, so do you do you find that a lot when you're talking to people that all they want to do when they have kids is talk about their kids? I think because of my age, um, I'm not around a lot of people who have kids. I had a client for a while. Um, who I was actually helping her with her kids because she was in the midst of a pretty high conflict divorce and it was from a long-term abusive relationship. When we talked about those kids, it was more me validating either the kids saying they didn't want to have anything to do with their dad and she thought they should. And I was like, no, you can't force it. Yeah. Or do you think what, what husband did impacted this? I'm like, yes, of course. Um, so more validating her kids' feelings and her feelings and helping her. I was kind of like her co-pilot parent, like when she had to bounce something off. And um, I've never, I mean, I, I do enjoy kids, but I like them more when they can have intelligent conversations, which sometimes might be at six years old. Yeah. I've never ruled out that I might become a foster parent someday. But I do want the older child, um, 10, 12, and older, especially a girl. And I know if they've been in the foster care system for a long time, there's all kinds of issues. But I'm prepared for that stuff. And also, I know it's not my fault. What well, is not my fault. I can just hold the best space I can for them. So do you think that the reason that you'd rather be a foster mom versus uh, biologically having your own child would be that you, you aren't the one that it, you're not the one responsible for when they were little. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's part of it. And because of my jobs and my experience, I'm at a place that I have a pretty good understanding about how those experiences impact a child's trajectory. I've worked with people coming out of prison, most of whom, women coming out of prison, most of whom experienced abuse and addiction, um, sexual assault, being turned out, all kind of poverty, domestic violence, so, and incarceration of their parents. So a lot of, and mental health, 
and drug use, um, how trauma impacts brain development of a young child. So all of that stuff just gives me a broader view and I can be really caring and nurturing without feeling codependent or that I'm able to fix them. I'm just hold a better place and validate their experience more. Not saying there wouldn't be kids that would be beyond my abilities because there are children that have, you know, violent outbursts um, that would be tough for me to handle. I don't want anybody setting the house on fire uh, kind of thing. But I've never ruled, and I still don't rule it out, that sometime there's going to be a young person um, who's going to pass, come across my path, and I'm going to be their person, and they're going to be my kid, even if they're already 16. Yeah, that makes total sense. And plus, then you don't have to go through all the childbirth and the growing of the baby and all of the messy stuff no that diapers, comes along with that, too. No you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, be, and even when I was a, when I worked with the women coming out of prison, even though their average age was like 39 or 40, when I was a case manager, it was like having 15 teenagers because of where they were emotionally. I mean, I literally, at the end of the day, I'd have 12 to 14 women knocking on my office door, like, mom, mom, look what I made in school today. So I've had the opportunity to nurture and grow people, humans, just not from the beginning. Have there been other ways that you've seen that you're, you've been nurturing in your life um, besides your work with the women coming out of prison? Because you mentioned in uh, what you sent me, in the email is there was other ways that you found to be able to nurture and it doesn't require having a child. Right. I mean, so volunteering, um, you know, being a big brother or big sister, volunteering in an after school program, being a support to another parent while interacting with the kids at the appropriate level. Um, you know, I'm not big on the charitable contribution thing because I like, a lot of, I don't know where that money goes, um, but, and, and having, you know, compassion for the mom in the store with three kids, one of whom is teething and two of whom are having a hissy fit and not rolling my eyes at the mom going, geez, get your kids under control. But like looking at the kids like, Hey, what's going on? Um, having compassion for being a kid and for being a parent of a kid that's having a rough day. Um, a lot of it has to do with volunteerism or being a good neighbor or just being observant about, you see a kid on the street with their parents and just saying, hmm, does that seem like an okay situation? What's going on over there? Yeah, I find that's really hard because a lot of times I'll see kids like either in, in my children's school or in a store or something and you're like, there's something going on here and it's not right. Like you can just tell. And mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking because I know that there's, I, I mean, as a parent, I do the best I can with the tools I have available. I've definitely made mistakes, especially with my oldest daughter when I was younger, because I was a kid raising a kid. But I, I feel like I've always, you know, given them the care, the love, the, you know, everything that they needed. And, you know, there's just kids out there that don't have that and they're just aching for it. So I completely understand what you're talking about. And I love that you are one of the few people who don't have kids who want to have compassion versus judgment, because I feel like it's a lot of times I will, you know, not my friends, but I've met, you know, other people who don't have children that will be like, don't you think you should do it this way? And I'm like, dude, you've never had a child. Like, don't tell me what to do. 
You know, and I, you know, I've, I feel like I've nurtured or contributed to nurturing in other ways. I can't remember what store it was. It was some big box store. No, actually, it was a Fred Meyer, which is like a big grocery store, Kroger. Um, there was a man and a woman walking around, and he seemed like he, she seemed very kind of shut down, and he was being verbally very abusive to her. And I was working for the YWCA in Portland at the time. And I waited until she was away from him. I walked up to her. I was like, are you okay? Do you need help? And I was like, here's my card. Call me whenever she goes. Well, he'll find it on me. I was like, stick it in your bra. Stick it in your underwear. Like, you know. Um, I mean, she never did call. But uh, another time I overheard a young woman saying she was having a really hard time finding a job. And I was in a position to hire her at the YWCA. And it, I, I felt like it was a situation where an environment that she would enjoy and she would be good for. So I was able to hire her and then kind of help her grow professionally. And some of the other women on my staff helped them grow professionally. Any one of whom could have been a client if it were not for a few different instances in their life. But a lot of my coworkers had similar situations to the clients, except they never went to prison. Um, so being able to support their professional and their personal growth you're helping bloom people. Like we think nurturing, we think it has to be motherhood, but it's not. There's so many other ways to nurture people. Like you said, with what, what I do, I've helped nurture women. You know, even we're talking about grown ass women. I don't work with teenagers. I work with grown women who just need that. They need that encouragement. They need that person who's willing to guide them and show them. It's very similar to like how you would guide and show a child, except now you're working with adults and that's a little different. But you're right. A, one little change in somebody's trajectory could turn them down that road. A lot of times they're like, oh, I would never be, you know, somebody who ends up in prison. I would never be somebody who ends up on drugs. I never do this. I never do that. But you don't know because if like one thing had been different in your life, you might have ended up there. Yeah. I've never helped my boyfriend rob a bank. <clears throat> Um, you know, and I've heard people be critical, like, why would they choose to use drugs? Why would they choose to be in a domestic violence relationship? And I'd be like, well, you know what? When you start getting raped at three years old, you kind of forget or never learn that you actually have a choice about your life. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yes. I love it. No, Robin. Yes. <laughs> I, did, I did shock the hell out of them. I'm like, yeah, because when you start raping a two-year-old... Trigger warning, sorry, maybe you want to cut that out. No, you're good. They kind of don't know that they have a choice. Yeah. And everything after that is just bad. There are no boundaries. And then there's behavioral issues. So now she's bad. Now she's promiscuous. Now she doesn't listen to the rules. Well, why the hell not? Yeah, that makes total sense. And we don't look at that. We look at the bad, bad, I put that in quotation, kids. And we don't ask what went wrong. We're just like, why are they, you know, why are you being like this? Why are you a bad kid? And so I'd be like, mm -hmm. what is happening to this child to make them like, I'm not saying that kids don't act up. My kids act up. Like there's all sorts of kind of things that can happen. But if there is this consistent action, like this consistent, like, for example, the, the shooter at, uh, at the recent school shooting in Parkland, I think it was, they literally said the kid had been suspended from school like multiple upon multiple times. When was somebody going to say, what is going on with this child that he's, I mean, at the, he wasn't a child, teenager, that he's getting like suspended so many times. It's not, I mean, I'm not saying like what he did was right. I'm not in, in any way right. defending him, but you have to start to ask, 
what has gone on in a person's life to cause them to be like this. It's not an excuse for their behavior. It's a reason for why they are the way they are. And it doesn't mean the parents did something wrong. Maybe the kid got a concussion at four years old in the prefrontal frontal lobe and it wasn't really recognized or recognized the impact on their behavior and then not recognizing the fire setting as a, as a warning sign or wetting the bed at an older age as a warning sign. And it might not have anything to do except the kid got bonked in the head with a swing and the parents don't have the resources or aren't aware of the resources to realize the difference between something congenital, something behavioral, something psychological, something neurological. And we don't talk about it enough. We really don't. No. We don't talk about it enough. We, ha- we don't talk enough about any of the subjects, any of them, all of them. It, it's not even, we went down a parenting route, but this is like, as adults, we don't even look, at least you could look at yourself, even at like as a teenager and say, you know what? I really don't want this because there are multiple reasons I don't want this and I don't want it. And you set that, that up and you didn't waver, which is amazing because so many people aren't, aren't even aware that they have that decision to make. They feel like that's just how life has to go, right? I, even, if, even if they've had a traumatic childhood, I'm not saying you have, but they've had a traumatic childhood, they've been through all this stuff, and they're a hot fucking mess. They think, I still need to get married and have children. When maybe, I mean, and I'm speaking from experience here, maybe that's not when they should be having children. Like, I mean, I certainly should not have had my, my two daughters. Don't regret them in any way, not taking that back. They're still mine. But was I emotionally capable of being a mom at those times? Absolutely not. Like the second one, I was in an abusive relationship with her father. Like I was not in any way shape that I should have ever bringing a child into the world. But Mm -hmm. I didn't even see that as an option. Like of me, like I don't have to have children. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even, I didn't even see that as an option. Um, Even though I didn't want them. And I thought growing up, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want them. And, and both of them were, neither one of them were planned, but I never saw like, there were things I could do to stop this from happening. And I didn't even need to be put in these situations. But you know, a lot of times we are empowered enough to think that we can make those decisions in our lives. Well, and I feel fortunate because had I grown up in a different family, in a more religious family, in a, in a smaller town where I didn't have access, in a smaller, more conservative school where we didn't have sex education, or where my you know, cousin didn't give me the book, Our Bodies, Ourselves, for my 14th birthday. Um, and I was a pretty precocious reader so and curious. So I was aware fairly early on, like in time, what needed to be done and what needed to happen. And I was able to get to Planned Parenthood, and I didn't need to have my mother's permission. I could get there on the bus and take care of my own business. Um, and, and I know that that's not always the way. So I think certainly uh, my environment contributed to my being able to know that I could make choices and to know what I could do about it. Yeah. And, and even like people, but you know, people get so judgmental when they're like, don't put your child on birth control as a teenager. Cause you're encouraging them to have sex. I'm like, I don't want to be grandma. I don't want to be grandma. And I don't want my child to think that because 
that, that they can't come to me. Like, cause that's literally why my daughter's here today is because mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel comfortable coming to my dad. And by the time I moved in with my mom and felt comfortable with her, it was already too late. Cause I had to wait for my next period to start my birth control. And that period never came. But anyways, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of parent you are. If your child wants to have sex, they're going to have sex. Like it's just going to happen. And mm-hmm. to, in my opinion, it is like, I'd rather have my daughter put on birth control if she's even has the even inkling that she might have sex in the near future or eventually then wait and be like, Oh shit. Now, now you have to make an adult decision as a teenager. I'd rather like, how about you be on birth control? Let's teach you how to be safe. And I don't care what people will say about birth control. I I don't want to be grandma. I don't want her to be a mom. And Mm -hmm. there's only so much you can do about it. But I use condoms for sexual health, but if she's in a situation that she doesn't feel empowered enough to tell the person that, at least she's not going to get pregnant. Right. And I never would have gone to my mother to ask for birth control at 16. I mean, it wasn't going to happen. So she didn't know I was having sex for a couple of years. Well, she didn't know until I was much older when I started having sex, but I was vigilant about using condoms. Um, and then when I was close to 18, I was like, well, I need something more regular and permanent and, I was going to go away with my boyfriend after I, I was 18. It was after I graduated high school. And my mother's like, oh, what, what are you going to use for birth school? How are you going to prevent getting pregnant? I go, well, I'm going on the pill. And she goes, no, you're not. And I go, well, I already started. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> my daughter's a condom baby, so I don't trust those. So like from the early, I don't want to say early age, but about the time that, you know, she's got her period and stuff like that, it kids her age at that time were starting to talk about these things. I told her, like, you think about having sex? Like, even if you're like, I don't, I'm not going to have it right now, but I, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to get your butt on birth control. Like, just come forward. I know judgment. I'm not going to like, you just come forward because I want her to be empowered that she doesn't have to make that decision about having children until she's older. Like you don't have to make that as a teenager. Let's prevent this from happening. And you can make that decision when you're older, if you want to have children or not. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap up the podcast, Girls. Robin, yeah. what is one thing that you would like to leave the inspired women community about the choice to be child-free? What, I mean, what do you think that maybe we didn't cover? You really want to hone in on when it comes to this? Well, I think first of all, Um, It's just absolutely nobody else's business whether people have children or not. And that's a hard boundary to set, especially with family. But I had a choice and some women don't. Um, So be sensitive when you inquire about people's lives or just really think how appropriate is this and do I need to know? Even when it's your own family, when it's your kid, when it's your grandchild, your niece, whatever, and your sons, because they have, you know, things to, they don't have to carry the child, but stuff happens that doesn't need to be everybody's business. It's also a really personal decision. So stay strong um, because you're the only one that has to live with your decision and your children. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I like to tell people to stay out of my uterus because even though I have children, they're always asking, are you going to have more children? Um, Are your twins natural? Uh, wow, your daughters uh, don't even ask me how, how uh, that question drives me insane. I'm like, um, I don't know how 
they could not be natural. I'm like, what's going on here? Why is that question? Or <laughs> my oldest daughter, who is 16, they're like, uh, well, how did that happen? You don't even look old enough to be your mom. And I'm like, well, I'm not. So let's put that out there. Uh, because it's, it's none of anybody's business. It's none of anybody's business what a woman decides to do with her body, whether she has kids, doesn't have kids, has four kids, has zero kids, has two kids, has one and a half kids. I don't care. It's just none of anybody's business. And I just feel like too many times we think it's our business. It's, it's not. It's not even my business if any of my children decide to have children. And if they don't, I'm cool with that because I'm all right with not being a grandma. My, my husband might cry a little bit because I think he'd be sad, but I'm good. So I completely agree, Robin. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with everybody today. Thanks for having me. It was a great talk. Great talking to you and seeing you right? to, voice to voice. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspire Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.